Welcome to episode 245 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IFPodcast with code IFPodcast. I will put all this information in the show notes. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons 
reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 245 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous because I am at the Beach Cottage with Will. And it's we're having a great time. That's lovely. It was a spur of the moment kind of a trip. I was going to come this weekend with college friends, but then we had the ACC championship. So we did that last weekend. So they're like, we can't get away again. I'm like, that's fine. I'll go by myself. Will didn't have anything to do. I'm like, come with me. So yeah, he's doing a lot of painting. Now he's sitting on the beach with his guitar. He's so creative. He really is. He is so creative. He's 22 and completely right-brained and is happiest when he's creating something. He likes to create music. He writes music, and now he likes to paint. So I love that. Yeah. Well, I had a, a fun event on Friday. Ooh, what was that? I had dinner with one of my podcast guests. Oh, that's fun. I love it. I know. It was very exciting. It's it's weird. I was thinking about it. Most of my really good friends now are all people I've met on my biohacking podcast. Isn't that weird? It's so crazy. You know, it it sounds weird, except that a lot of my really good friends are people that I met through my intermittent fasting groups and like they're real good friends. I mean, obviously my college friends are, are people I've known a long time, but a lot of my really close friends I, or I've been on my podcast, or I, I didn't meet them till after they were on my podcast, like face-to-face, you know. The people I talk to pretty much every day are people I met on the podcast and then just started talking to after and really got to know really well. So the person I went with, though, I, he's not like, I'm not super close or anything, but it was Dr. Eric Zielinski. So he wrote the healing book of essential oils. I think that's the title of his first book. I didn't even realize we have the same agent. All of us. <laughs> oh, that's great. So many people do. I know. I know. Same literary agent. Yeah, it was It was so fun. So it was me and him and his wife and their new baby and my sister. And it was just a really fun time. It was really fun because, yeah, like I just said, it was only the second person I've met in real life from the show. So because he actually lives here in Atlanta. So I've met people in real life that you haven't met in real life that I met through you. Yeah. Oh yeah, or true. So yeah, that was it was really fun. Like I can think of three, three people that I've met in real life that I know through you only, but I've met them in real life and you have not. 
<laughs> and I'm not counting Cynthia Thurlow because I actually met her first. Oh, wow. Yeah, she and I met first. We were on a, a radio program together. We didn't know anything about the other person. And we both talked afterwards about who we were like, what is she going to say? What is, is it going to be the opposite of what I say? But we found we were very in sync. I was actually reading her book last night, her new book. Her book comes out... March. Oh, in March. Okay. So her book is about intermittent fasting. And I'm not saying this to sound like a know-it-all, but when I read a book about intermittent fasting, it's just so overwhelmingly familiar. Like all of the information. You're like, yep, yep, yep. It's hard for me to like think, what would this be like to read this? For the first time. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I, I 100% get it. But yeah, I met her first and then then you met her later. And But the other three... Can you think of all three of them? Sean Wells. Yes. Anna Quebecca. Oh, I forgot about her. Okay, four. <laughs> yes, Anna Quebecca. Four. Because I forgot that I met her through you, but I did. Yes. Wade Lightheart. Yes. And, okay, so there's one more. Yep. Somebody who's been on our podcast. Oh, and there's another one too. There's five. And both of the others have been. Oh, oh, Todd White. Yes. And, of course, we can't forget the main one. The reason I was at the conference. JJ Virgin. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Isn't that fun? So I've now met all of them face to face. That's so crazy. That was a fun game. I like guessing games. I know you do. That's why I was happy to do it. Because I was like, Melanie's going to like this. You did a good job. And you got all of them. So, <laughs> And they're all just lovely. That's the best thing. That's what I was reflecting on. Because I was posting about it on my Instagram today. And I was just reflecting on how it's all really, really wonderful people. Literally, it's my closest friends now. Not necessarily that group that we just mentioned, but the conference that I went to where I met all of them face-to-face, you know, JJ Virgin puts it on. And it is the best community of people. And, you you know, the people that you know from your podcast are all probably very in this same circle. And I really think JJ Virgin has a lot to do with that because she has a philosophy of we should all work together and lift one another up. And like a rising tide lifts all ships and that everyone works together and that we're not in competition, we're in collaboration. Oh, that's definitely the way I feel. That's exactly the way this whole community feels. So everyone is a generous supporter of everyone else. Even if you don't have the same philosophies about things, people talk about them respectfully together. And it really is just an amazing group that she has put together and cultivates. I think that's so important. And um, I also think there's often, I don't think it's necessarily true, but there's like this cultural idea that like women in particular get competitive, like when it comes to business rather than collaborative. And yeah, that just doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. And and the whole idea that we can, we can disagree about things and still like each other. Like I'm talking in a big general, not like just me and you, but like in a general world of like the health world. Oh, yes. You know, like Wade Lightheart and his partner that eat differently. You know, we've talked about them a lot, but that you can have different philosophies and still collaborate. Anyway, I just love it. I do too. I have one more update. I can't say what it is yet exactly. (laughs) That's a fun one. No, I'm kidding. I know. But I just want listeners to know that I'm really getting closer to currently developing supplement number two, and it's very exciting. Oh, here's a funny story. Can I tell you a funny story about supplements? Yes. I was telling Chad about your supplement and how great it was going. And I'm like, and you know, I'm never going to make a supplement. And he's like, what do you mean? I mean, because he's a medicinal chemist. <laughs> so like, I actually have someone living in my house who probably could formulate a supplement. He's like, what do you mean? We could make a supplement. I'm like, I, I don't want to make a supplement. He's like, but we could, we could do that. <laughs> he's at the point he just found out he can retire after one more semester. He can retire and start drawing retirement. He's not sure if he's going to. He hasn't decided, but he can. So, I mean, he might be like, let's make some supplements. I'd be like, oh, okay, you're in charge of that, Chad. But after I've always said I wouldn't, I'm still not planning to. But the way he reacted was just so funny. That's really funny. He's like, I could do that. I mean, he totally could. Drug design's his thing, but (laughs) he's going to have to be 100% in charge. It'll be Chad, not me, because I don't really want to make supplements. But I'm glad it's going well for you. It's going so well. It's just so fun. And I said this before, but it's just really exciting to see this concept manifest in real life and for it to work so well. Oh my goodness. So the supplement, I haven't mentioned the one out right now, which is serapeptase. I think I've mentioned before that I have 
this like mole on my nose that won't go away that I keep getting it like lasered off or shaved off and it keeps coming back. I was wondering if the serapeptase would do something, but I think it's actually going away now. Okay. Well then I've got to get your serapeptase and take it because I've got an eyebrow mole and I need that eyebrow. It drives me crazy. Like the hair grows straight out of it like a witch's mole. I mean, so I have to pluck it like right in the middle of my eyebrow. I have to pluck all that hair out and then I have a bald spot in the middle of my eyebrow. I mean, it could be worse, right? So is it, it's colored, like it's brown? No, it's like skin color. It's a skin color mole. Okay. Yeah. That's what mine is too. Yeah. But it like is right there in the very middle of my eyebrow and the hair that grows out of it right there just sticks straight out like crazy. One day when I'm really old, I'll just let it go. I don't. I won't care. But well, maybe you can try my serapeptase, and maybe it will. I need to. If it made my mole go away, then that would be amazing. That would be so exciting. So I, I will never do a supplement because you'll have all the supplements. So I don't need to. I think I definitely know my next, my next five that I want to do. So when this episode comes out, we're doing a special holiday special. Okay. We're locking down the details probably tomorrow, so this might change. But what I think it's going to be is I think it's going to be 25% off, which is crazy. So 25% off. And then I think it's going to be that if you order it while it's 25% off, then you get like a special link you can send to your friends. And then if they use that link, they get 20% off of a future order. And you also get 20% off for every friend that purchases. It's like a refer friend thing. So that's all at AvalonX. And then my email list for information about the future supplements and then like that special and all the things is melanieavalon.com slash serapeptase, S-E-R-R-A-P-E-P-T-A-S-E. So yeah. And last thing, do you know what I really want to develop, Jen? After like, I guess it would be under my supplement line, but it's not a supplement that you take internally. I don't know if I could ever guess. I want to make a fasting fat unlocking cream. Okay, what? You're going to have to explain it. I'm so confused. <laughs> I, I feel like I, fasting just unlocks the fat already. So, well, okay. So, a lot of people have like stubborn fat. It's often subcutaneous fat. So, it's like that fat that you can pinch. So, like love handles and maybe on your arms or on your abs. So, yes, fasting puts you into a fat burning state and encourages fat burning. But a lot of times those actual fat cells, there's receptors on fat cells that basically determine whether or not they are releasing their fat or storing their fat. And even if you're fasting, fasting does not necessarily mean that you'll automatically easily open up all your fat cells to be used, especially depending on their metabolic state and where they're where they're at. Kind of like people who, you know, yo-yo diet, I think the more you lose and regain and lose and regain fat, the more resistant your fat cells come to losing their fat again. So if you literally put a compound into the fat cell topically that activates receptors that encourages the fat cells to release their content, then I think you can more easily burn stubborn fat while fasting. So it's kind of like upgrading your fasting, kind of like if people were to drink coffee and find that that helps them burn more fat. So there are different compounds that do this, like caffeine and menthol and green tea. And I found one that I currently use and I like the ingredients mostly, but it's not completely clean. And I just want to make one that has no problematic ingredients and just these active ingredients. And I think it can go two ways. People who like have really stubborn fat and maybe a lot of it, it can help that for sure. But also people who don't even necessarily need to lose weight, but they have like just, it seems like little stubborn areas. I think it can really, really benefit that while fasting. So it would be a fat unlocking cream. It wouldn't, it wouldn't actually burn any fat, but it would make it easier to burn, to spot treat fat burning while fasting. All right. Well, that's interesting. That's my pitch. (laughs) I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm expired because the one I've ordered is actually I'm a bit shocked how well it's working, but it has stuff in it that I don't like. So I've got to make my own version. Well, it's fun to know connections so that you can make things that have just the ingredients you want in them. Yeah, definitely. Like the one I'm using right now is like bright blue. I'm like, well, that's not good. <laughs> like dyes and stuff like that. 
Hi friends. I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yep, let's get started. All right, so to start things off, oh, I don't think I even realized this was from a Melanie. I've actually met this Melanie face-to-face. Oh, really? Yes, she was on my podcast. So I wonder when she sent this one in. It might have been like a long time ago. It might be an old one because I've met her face to face and she was on my podcast. Oh, nice. I know. Well, hello, Melanie. The subject is episode number one and eating earlier. So Melanie says, I just listened to my first IF podcast. So she had just listened. Would this have been a while ago, you think? Well, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know when... People listen to intermittent fasting stories, and then they might run out of those. Then they start intermittent fasting podcasts. So it's hard to know. The question that she asks about me makes me feel like maybe this was before. You'll see when you keep reading it. So she says, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And this is a question we get a lot. She says, but where is episode one? On iTunes, it starts as number two. Yes, there is no episode one. We had technical difficulties with it, and it's lost forever. I don't even know. Yeah. It's lost. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's funny. Like sometimes we get, I think occasionally we've had a question where they say they actually heard episode one and that's how you know they've been there since day one. Her second question, she says, Jen was talking about how if there is a family gathering, i.e. brunch, she eats earlier. Does she still follow up with a five hour rule and stop eating after five hours, no matter what time of day it is? Thanks. And again, loved my first episode. You both sound great together. Oh, she's from Canada. 
Yep. And this is why I think she probably knows the answer to this now. But the answer is, of course, probably people who've been listening a long time know that I do not time my window anymore at all. Like, for example, yesterday I had brunch with Will. It actually wasn't very early. We went at 2. There's this place down here. They have this jazz brunch, and it's fantastic. And I love to go there. It's called Local. It's in Polly's Island. If anyone's ever down in the Polly's Island area, go to Local. I love it. They made me a mocktail. I had Eggs Benedict. We split avocado toast. We listened to jazz. Yum. But it was 2 o'clock. And then, you know, if I was still following the 5 o'clock rule, I would be like, all right, must stop eating by 7. Nope. (laughs) I no longer do that at all. I just go with the flow depending on what day it is and what's happening. There are many days that my window is shorter. For example, let's see, what day is it? Today is Sunday. We're recording. We came to the beach. I'm trying to, okay, Wednesday and Thursday. Both Wednesday and Thursday, I was busy. And so I didn't eat until later, probably 6, 6.30, something like that. I had dinner, closed my window, window less than an hour, two days in a row. And then I've had a couple of days and right after that with longer windows. So I feel like it all balances out. I would really be, in, I mean, of course, I don't track it. It would be interesting to see what my average is. I bet my average is probably five hours or less, but I don't even know. So I no longer track anything. I just, you know, wait till I open my window and then I close it when I'm done, whatever that may be. When you were tracking, would you adjust for that? Well, when I was trying to lose weight, see, that was a different thing. When I was trying to lose weight, I was following Dr. Burt Hearing's Fast Five, and he had 19.5 as the foundation of his plan. And his one rule, the one rule is, Find a consecutive five-hour window every single day and stick to it. That was the only rule. Needed to be a consecutive five-hour window. And he didn't even talk at all about tracking the fast. It was like if you, you have that the boundaries of the five-hour window. You open, you close it within five hours. He's like, of course, you're going to have some days where it's longer, some days where it's shorter. But in general, five-hour window. So that's kind of like you know the way I was raised up <laughs> my early days with, with the Fast Five program. And so when I was losing weight, that's what I tried to stick to. When you were doing that, if you had opened it earlier, you would just do an earlier five-hour window? Yes. But that didn't always work so well. You know, people have heard me talk about this before. When I open early, even if I have a giant brunch at noon, a giant meal, let's say I have a Thanksgiving dinner at noon, all right, I'm probably going to feel great till about 8 p.m. It's just about what I've noticed for myself. And so I'm like, I'm just going to eat this one big meal and then I'll be fine. And then I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. 8 p.m. rolls around. I'm starving. So, you know, I have two options at that point. I can be like, I'm just going to push through the hunger and go to bed. And But I I don't do that. If I'm starving at 8 p.m., I eat again. I don't like to go to bed starving. That's not the right answer for everybody. Maybe someone else pushed through. But it's easier for me to push through after I wake up in the morning fast longer than it is for me to push through in a day when I've closed my eating window and now I'm starving again. We talked about this, but I'm the exact same way. (laughs) Like the exact same way. All right. Shall we go on to our next question? Yes. And this is from Angela. And the subject is processed versus plant-based. She says, hello, Melanie and Jen. I am a 33-year-old female who has been experimenting with intermittent fasting since November of 2019. I lost a total of 20 pounds between November and December of 2019 and have over 50 more to go. Then I slowly went back to my old ways in February, but never fear, I'm going to continue IF immediately. It is the only thing I have found that has helped combat my chronic fatigue, in addition to weight loss. So we know that processed foods aren't the best for our bodies, and whole foods provide more nutrition. My body doesn't do well with most meats. I can have very lean meat and fish, so I've been looking into incorporating plant-based foods into my diet. My question is kind of threefold. First, if I am eating pre-processed, pre-packaged plant-based foods, is it counterproductive to try to increase nutrition? It's never counterproductive to try to increase nutrition. I'm just going to say that. I agree. Although we can talk about the first part in a minute, but it's never counterproductive to increase nutrients. All right. Second, what should we be looking for so far as no added this in plant-based products? Last, are there any plant-based foods or food brands that you can recommend? 
Thank you, ladies, for all that you do. You bring so much inspiration and information to us all. And all I can say is she's going to love Cleanish. Angela needs to read Cleanish because it's all explained in there. So much detail. But anyway, you get to go first, so I'll let you talk about it first. All right. So this is a great question from Angela. This definitely, in my opinion, touches into something that I see a lot now, especially with the plant-based food movement, which is where a lot of people are making the dietary choice for health or environmental or ethical reasons to go plant-based, which can be really great for the individual depending on the individual's constitution. But there are a lot of, like Angela said, you know, pre-processed, pre-packaged plant-based foods that may come with their own array of issues. Like Girl Scout Thin Mint Cookies, I think they're vegan. (laughs) So they call something vegan and you're like, oh, it's so healthy. No, it is a Girl Scout Thin Mint Cookie. Yeah. I mean, think about how many just like of the breakfast cereals on the market are probably technically vegan. I mean, sugar is vegan. Yeah. So... So a lot of things, I did a lot of research on this, by the way, for brands and stuff, different thoughts. There is the option of less processed, less prepackaged plant-based foods. So you could still be making meat alternatives yourself. And I know that might require more time, but once you figure out the system that works for you and how to cook it and what you like and integrate it into your life, I think the cost benefit of learning how to make food closer to its natural form that you really like long-term in the health world will have massive, massive benefits. So if that's an option, I would definitely go that route. So that would be things like if you are eating soy or tofu, you know, getting that, you know, more plain and cooking it the way you like, or things like mushrooms or did you say she's vegan or vegetarian? She just said plant-based. Oh, she does have lean meat and fish. So you might be having eggs and lean meat and fish. Like you could still stay in the whole foods world and make it work plant-based wise. If you are having more of the pre-processed, pre-packaged plant-based foods, things you would want to look for, it's really, really shocking. Like if you turn over most of the things in the market and see the ingredients, there's just so much stuff. So things I would look for are anything you can't pronounce (laughs) or don't know what it is, that's probably not the best sign. A lot of like gums and carrageenan are added to these foods and those can be problematic. They can be inflammatory. If it ever says like natural flavors, that can be anything. So that's a little bit sketchy. It could be MSG. They hide that under all sorts of flavor kind of things. Something I personally am very concerned with is refined seed oils. And I've done an episode with Dr. Kate Shanahan all on this. If you'd like to learn more, that's at melanieavalon.com slash fat burn fix. But that's all about the potential problematic issue of refined added vegetable and seed oils. So that's vegetable oil. And then there's like, you can remember it because there's three C's, three S's. There's probably more, but that's a way to remember the main ones. So it's canola, corn, cottonseed, soy, sunflower, sunflower. Yeah. Sunflower. I would be really wary of those in the foods. And the ironic thing about it is that a lot of the vegan and vegetarian foods will actually use these oils because it's a way for them to have less saturated fat and it works for them and what they're trying to make the label say. But the problem with these oils is they are highly, highly unstable And so when they are refined like that, and then in these foods, they can really create a lot of inflammation in the body and oxidative issues. So I would really, really avoid added seed and vegetable oils. If you are having soy, which is going to be pretty prevalent in the plant-based world, the majority of soy is GMO. So I would look for organic soy only. My thoughts on soy have been changing. So I've always sort of historically been on the fence and a little bit confused, and I didn't do a really, really deep dive until pretty recently because I interviewed Dr. Neil Bernard, who is one of the like top vegan proponents of like all the vegans. Like a lot of listeners probably know who he is because he's he's in all the documentaries. He has a lot of books, um, and I interviewed him finally like two weeks ago. 
So that episode, I think, will come out around March or so. He wanted to come on actually for his study about soy. So I I went deep. (laughs) I read everything I could find. And my takeaway was that... And we talked about this on a recent show, so I won't go too deep into it. But my takeaway was that it's probably very context dependent. It probably depends on your gut microbiome. It probably depends on your genetics as to whether or not you benefit. I think it might depend on your current estrogen burden. But in any case, I think going the natural route, so non-GMO organic soy and or like fermented soy, which is called tempa, would be the route to go if you go that route. So yes. So my suggestion would be to turn over, go to like Whole Foods and look at all the brands and turn them over and see what's in them. I will list some brands that I like. So Primal Kitchen does make some vegan and like non-dairy condiments and things like that. So you could check them out. Check out Amy's. If you're sensitive to gluten, that's something that you would want to be looking for. So any grains or gluten in the products. I like Eden Foods. That's a brand. They make some soy milks and soups, and they're mostly organic, no additives, or they might be all organic. A good dairy alternative is coconut milk, but it's pretty hard to find coconut milk without gums and carrageenan, but I know they do have one at Trader Joe's, and Native Forest is also a brand. If you're going with the vegan milk still, so like almond milk, it's really hard to find one without additives, but Malk is a brand that doesn't have any problematic ingredients. For the soy, Soy Boy is a brand that I like. They have soy and they have a tempa. Again, check their ingredients though, because some of the different flavors have problematic additives. There's a meat alternative made from jackfruit and Upton's makes a original form that doesn't have any additives. So that's something that you could try. You can also get organic canned jackfruit. So that might be something to cook with. Mushrooms, by the way, are also fun things to add and use as meat alternatives, especially the really big like portobello mushrooms. And I like some of this Dr. Prager's that they have at Whole Foods, but it's not organic is the only thing. Maybe that's a place to start, but I would definitely, either way, there's going to be like, if you really want to, you know, invest in this, there's going to be a learning curve where you are going to just need to familiarize yourself with brands. And then also, like I said, maybe learn how to make vegan or vegetarian plant-based alternatives yourself in a more whole foods form. I have a few things to add, although you said a lot as usual, which is good. (laughs) You you are thorough. That's the word I'm looking for. So I really think, like I said, Angela, you're going to love cleanish because it can get really hard to decide, you know, how perfect do you want to be? That's where the ish comes in. You know, we know for certain, there's a lot of stuff we don't know for certain in the health world. You know, you'll find a study that says one thing, you'll find something else that says something contradictory. But I will pretty much say, Melanie, see if you agree with me here. We know for certain that no one gets healthier by increasing the amount of ultra-processed foods in their diet. Would you say that's pretty much one thing we know for sure? No one gets healthier by increasing ultra-processed foods. I don't like to ever say I'm certain about anything. I know. I don't either. But this is one where I'm pretty certain. That is the closest to approaching certain that I can get. I've never seen a study that that implied otherwise. The stu- more and more, ever since the term ultra-processed came out, which really hasn't been very long, we used, I talk about this a lot more detail, like I said, in Cleanish. We used to just say processed, but that is that is a misleading term because, you know, if you shuck an ear of corn and slice it off the cob and cook it, you've just processed it. But... You know, if you like grind your, you know, wheat into flour, you just processed it. So processing itself is not a bad thing. It's the ultra processed that's the problem. Once we got that terminology, it really helped make things clear. You want to eat things that are not ultra processed when you can. But again, I'm cleanish. You know, Melanie just listed a whole bunch of options that are probably considered to be ultra processed, but still better than other options that are ultra-processed. You know, foods can be organic and also (laughs) ultra-processed at the same time. You know, we think that if it says organic on the label, it's a good choice. You know, those organic seed oils are just as inflammatory to me. I mean, maybe not just as inflammatory. Maybe the ones that are not organic would be less inflammatory, but they, they are inflammatory as well. So there's a term that I learned when I was at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition called crowding out. And it's a great concept, and it really helped me come up with my own personal definition of cleanish, 
you want to focus on high quality whole foods, whether you're looking at the paradigm of plant-based or whether you're going to be paleo. I mean, Melanie, you know for sure that as paleo got popular, paleo ultra-processed foods became available, which is the opposite of what paleo was supposed to be. Yes, I was going to say that exactly. Right? So, you know, we we can ruin anything <laughs> in America or the world by ultra-processing it, and it still, quote, fits the guidelines. You know, but, but it doesn't at all. You know, I've talked about this before as well. When I did the low-fat diets of the 90s, I read the T-Factor diet, and the only takeaway that I took away from that was, eat less fat. And so I started eating SpaghettiOs and snack wells and McDonald's had a fat-free apple muffin you could drive through and get and you could have a Coke with that. And the whole thing was fat-free. I mean, that is not what the the T-Factor book said to do. (laughs) I went back through it recently and reread it. And he wants you to eat whole foods that are low in fat. I mean, that's really what what it is. No matter how you're choosing to eat, The more real foods you can fit in there, the better you're going to be. And over time, you'll figure out, you know, what proportion of ultra-processed foods you can allow in there. Melanie, are you zero with ultra-processed foods, would you say? Do you eat any? So like in my everyday day-to-day life, I don't have any. When I go through my low, low low-carb phases, that's when I'll do the MCT oil, which is ultra processed every now and then if I'm having like a crazy celebratory craving I will get the low carb like keto cake mixes with the least amount of additives so they're typically like almond or coconut flour and like erythritol or monk fruit or stevia okay so you're you're on the continuum really close to whole foods all the time but you still allow the ultra processed in sometimes and that's your your definition of cleanish, right? Mm-hmm. But I, on the other hand, like I wouldn't choose something with monk fruit or erythritol. I would use real sugar or like coconut palm sugar instead. That's because we each have a, a different what we want to do. And that's the whole, in the book Cleanish, which you need to order right now because <laughs> it's coming out January 4th, which is so very soon. In Cleanish, it's all about figuring out your own personal definition of how that looks for you. And, you know, what will you have and what will you not? I talk about in there that, you know, I avoid these oils. I like to stick to organic things, but there's a mayonnaise I love that I grew up with and I don't eat mayonnaise very often. So if I do need to eat mayonnaise or want to eat mayonnaise, I use this brand. It's probably GMO. I'm sure it is full of funky stuff, but I like it, but I don't eat it all the time. And I don't eat those oils day to day. So it's just, like I said, a matter of figuring out your perfect balance. My diet has more ultra-processed stuff in it than Melanie's, but it's way different than how it looked one, two, three, four, ten years ago. So it's a process. And, you know, like I, I said before that I ate out twice yesterday. I am feeling so puffy today, and I know it's because when I eat out, they use all these things, these inflammatory ingredients I don't use at home. And so I don't feel my best. So when I get home tomorrow, I'm going to make something that's very high vegetable content, and I'm going to feel better. And it's just a matter of finding that balance that works for you. The more ultra-processed foods you can eliminate but still enjoy your life, I really think the better. To that point, for me, with eating out, like I've just learned how to order where I'm equally happy with what I'm ordering, but then I don't get any of the negative effects because I'm like so specific in how I order. For some people, it's worth it to do that. And for some people, it's not. And so it's really just just a matter of, like you said, Jen, what's worth it to you and what makes you you know, happiest in the long run. Have you tried Primal Kitchen's mayo? Yes. <laughs> and it's good. It's fine. If I were someone who ate mayonnaise every day or used it a lot, then I would really think about the brand that I use. Like I would, I would not want the brand of mayonnaise that I prefer. I'd like Duke's mayonnaise and I grew up with it and it is what mayonnaise is supposed to taste, taste like. And if I want something, it, it needs to be Duke's mayonnaise, but I don't eat mayonnaise every day. If I did, I would probably switch to Primal Kitchen, but it's just, it's a sometimes thing. So I'm, you know, I'm like, you know, having a little bit of this once a month or however often 
like I really, I really only put it on like if I'm making pimento cheese, which I don't do hardly ever. <laughs> Maybe at Christmas I'll make my cranberry cheese, or if I'm having an egg sandwich, which I have, I don't know, not even once a month. So if I'm going to eat it, it's going to be Duke's, but I don't eat it very often. Oh, and I don't think I explained what crowding out was. Did I explain what it was, or did I just say it and then go down another rabbit hole? Crowding out is when you focus on high-quality whole foods as the main part, and then you crowd out, like, like let's say I wanted to have, you know, some homemade hummus with a few pita chips on the side, and then a big salad or something. So I'm crowding out those chips. I'm still allowing them, but I'm, I'm filling up on the, the good stuff first. I love that. I will say, speaking to the, the sweetener stuff, I reserve the right to change my opinion on this, but the sweetener I'm most interested by, as far as I think it probably has... All right, I'm predicting in my head what you might say. Go ahead. Oh, 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 yay. I like this game. <laughs> I think it probably has the most health benefits, minimum side effects, allulose. All right, that's not what I was going to say. What did you think? Was- well, I was thinking you might would, would think blackstrap molasses was interesting because it's got so much mineral content. Yeah, or like Manuka honey. Pay like a hundred bucks for like a tablespoon. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Have you looked at at blackstrap molasses at all? I've seen like vaguely at certain at different times. I know it has certain things in it, nutrient wise. The allulose is really interesting because it's becoming more and more popular. I went and like read all the studies that I could find on it, and it actually it has a a very beneficial effect on especially for like diabetics on just carb content in general. Like I'd have to revisit what it was saying, but the mechanisms of action are really interesting. Like I think, I don't want to put out misinformation, but it's something like it either competes with carbs or it seems to have like a a pretty beneficial effect. And it tastes very similar to sugar and it acts very similar to sugar. To be honest, for me, the reason I avoid all those others is I just don't like the way they taste. Like, I don't like any of them. Have you tried allulose? I haven't tried that one, but I... Oh, that's what it is. I think it's a, it's actually a natural, like, sugar. That's what it is. It's a natural sugar found in certain fruits, but we just literally can't metabolize it into carb energy. So it's like getting sugar without getting any sugar. Well, you know, they said all about those sugar alcohols, all those things, and I just don't like them. I know. I agree. It's not a sugar alcohol, no. It's an os. Those are the kind of things they said, like, oh, it's natural. Oh, it's, I still don't like those. <laughs> I would have to try it. I'm, you know, I'm, but I just stick to, you know, coconut palm sugar is really good. It's got that brown sugar flavor. Have you ever had it? Nope. <laughs> do you want to know a fun fact? Do you know the difference between sweet corn and corn? I do. Oh, like the variety? Yeah. Oh, I just learned this because I'm prepping to interview Farmer Lee Jones. Do you know who he is? I do not. Oh, I'm so excited. He's like this epic regenerative agriculture farmer. He always wears overalls. That's what he's known for. I think his farm pioneered microgreens and they're all about creating really interesting varieties and species and using all the parts of the plant. And they're just really cool. But I learned in his book, which is epic. Okay. Now I'm going on so many tangents. I would probably love his book. What's it called? So his book is called The Chef's Garden, A Modern Guide to Common and Unusual Vegetables with Recipes. And it came out in April. It is the most beautiful book. And it reminds me, Jen, it reminds me of you so much. Like when I was reading it, it's really like if Jen were to make a, well, actually. All right, I'm going to order it right now. It's kind of like if both of us were to make this book because- Tell me the name of it again. The Chef's Garden, A Modern Guide to Common and Unusual Vegetables with Recipes. I got so happy because, so his people asked to come on the show and I asked if they could, you know, send me like the book and they sent it and he signed it with a message to me. Made me so happy. So I have a signed copy, but it's a beautiful book. And the reason it reminds me of you is the recipes are, I just ordered it. Oh, yay. It's coming. Let me know what you think when you get it. But the recipes, you'll see why when you get it. But the recipes are all, they're whole foods and stuff, but they also use like sugar and like, you know, they're, they're not like... They're clean-ish. Yeah. 
it's really an amazing, incredible book. But oh, but I so I read the the whole thing front to cover, which I probably didn't need to do because you will learn so much about every vegetable ever known to mankind. Well, I can't wait. That, I'm so I'm so excited about that. I feel like it should be required reading in a way because the amount of information I learned about I think I shared it. Did I share about the potato? I don't think so. The fun fact about the potato that I learned from this book. You said something about corn and First of all, tell me if I'm right. This is what I think. Like when I said, yes, I knew the difference. And then I was like, maybe I don't. I started second guessing myself. This is what I think the difference is between sweet corn and corn. Most of the corn they grow is not sweet corn. And that is to feed animals. And then sweet corn is the corn we eat. Am I right? Or is that wrong? No. Okay. That's what I thought. What There's something about most of the corn they grow is for animals. Most of the corn that we grow is... I think, to feed animals. It's not the kind of corn we eat. It's a different variety of corn that's not the kind we eat. And then the kind we eat, I thought, was the sweet corn. Okay, so what's the difference? So corn is a grain. Sweet corn is a vegetable. Okay, what? I know. Blew my mind. I don't know about that. Do you want to hear the potato fact that blew my mind? Yeah, but I've got to look up this thing about corn and sweet corn. Okay. (laughs) I'm telling you what, Southern Living thinks I'm right and he is not. I just looked up, Southern Living said, the variety of corn we enjoy eating is called sweet corn, which does not grow nearly as tall as field corn. Sweet corn has a higher sugar content than cow corn and is picked while immature before the sugar has a chance to turn into starch. So that is exactly what I thought. So I don't really know what he's talking about. I'm going to have to read his book and figure it out. Sweet corn and field corn. It's different, but it's who's going to eat it. Corn can be considered either a grain or a vegetable based on when it is harvested. Okay, well, that does make sense. Okay, but it's the variety of corn. Sweet corn is a different variety than cow corn, right? So they do let the kind that they're going to feed to the animals dry in the field. And I guess that's the difference is when you harvest it, whether you would consider it a vegetable or if you let it dry, then maybe it would be considered a grain. So we were both right. Yeah. So maybe that's what he meant, like the corn that's fully mature and dry. We harvest it while it's still considered a vegetable. But if you let it sit in the field, but we don't do that with sweet corn. Sweet corn, we do not let it sit in the field and dry. We harvest it and then we eat it. But the other kind of corn is the kind that is for the animals and they do let it dry in the field. You know, when I looked that up, it was because I was driving around and I'm like, why does all the corn look so bad? Why is it all so dried up? And then I like searched it. I was like, is something wrong with the corn this year? And then I I got, that's where I learned, no, that's field corn. They're letting it dry for the animals. Okay. So much learned about corn. You're going to love this book. Here's the potato one. Are you ready? Yes. So the potato became this, you know, massive thing when they discovered, I don't remember when it was, like 1700s, when they discovered that it had a high nutrition value in Europe. It was like a good food source, basically. And it was the royalty people that figured this out. So they wanted to have it as like a food source for the European population. What did they do to make the people start all growing and eating potatoes? Well, I don't know. They did something... They use some reverse psychology to make like the non-royalties, like the peasants, start growing corn. Do you have any guesses? You mean potato? Potato, sorry. To start growing potato. Well, I don't know. You just have to tell me. Okay. I mean, I am just going to tell you because I played this game at Christmas with my family and it took a long time for them to guess. So I'm just going to tell you. They planted potatoes in guarded fields so that the peasants would think the potatoes were like really special and expensive or, or, you know, something worth getting. So then the peasants would steal the potatoes and then they started planting them themselves. Well, joke's on you, royal people, because potatoes are amazing. No, that's what they wanted to happen. But I know, I know, I know, but they like, they're so good. They're like thinking they're just for peasants, like wanting the, the, the peasants to eat them. They wanted to spread potatoes as a food source in general. So it was like, how do we... But they liked them too. Yeah. But it was like, how do we make the peasants start doing this? So they 
made it seem like they were like really exclusive. All they needed to do is just give them a potato and they would have been in. (laughs) He also talks all about the difference between like yams and sweet potatoes. And I've done some reading about that too. Does he say that yams and sweet potatoes are not the same thing and that yams are, are, I think yams might be in Africa? Yeah. He says, well, I knew they weren't the same thing, but I would go down so many rabbit holes before this being like, because we'd be like, how do I identify a yam or a sweet potato at the, at the supermarket? He says, if you're at a normal supermarket, so not... It's a sweet potato. Yeah. It's a sweet potato. The yams are only like ethnic type. Super specialty. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for you for you to get this book. I apparently know a lot about food already. You're going to love it. He has sections on every single vegetable and then all the different varieties. And some of them, will, there'll be like 30 varieties. It'll talk about like 30 varieties of tomatoes. It's mind-blowing. Oh, and then it'll make me want to have all those varieties. Then you go to the store and it's just the plain old boring ones. I know. I know. There is a farmer's market here in Atlanta called Buford's Farmer's Market. And I've gone a few times and they, I think they have basically everything. It's crazy. That was a tangent. <laughs> Shall we move on to our next question? Yes. All right. So we have a question from Julie. The subject is, how did I get here? And Julie says, hello, I started IF in August, 2018, 49 years old, 5'2", 134 pounds. I've always been active, walking, yoga, and elliptical weights workouts. My body, mind, and lifestyle adapted quickly to IF and negative self-talk about weight and food finally subsided. I felt healthy, free, and in eight months, I was 123 pounds. Fast forward to yesterday, having not stepped on the scale in months, now 51 years old, and I weighed in at 136. I maintain clean fast, little alcohol, healthy eating, and 24. Please help. Is it age? Cortisol? I have read slash heard Jen talk about this in relation to COVID-19. ADF is not for me, so I just try to keep positive, drink more water, almost a gallon daily, eat healthier, etc., but I don't understand how I got here. IF has worked for me, and I am committed to this way of life. My weight gain shows in the mirror, my clothes, and my mind. Negative self-talk has returned, and I feel like I did pre-IF. Side note, I am in good health, and my doctor supports IF and the lower weight range for my size. Blood tests for my annual physicals were good, no health or thyroid issues, Do you have ideas on supplements or vitamins? Any support is welcome. Thank you. She wants to know if we reply by email or only respond on the podcast. Do we give heads up to listeners? Grateful for your expertise and advice. And we do not usually reply via email. Occasionally we do. Sometimes emails come through and we just must address something. (laughs) But um, normally it's surprise on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Keep you got to listen. Hopefully you'll hear it. So, Julie, we can't answer the why. You know, we we can't tell you because you said, is it age? Could be. You know, a lot of people gain weight as they go through menopause, and you're right at that exact age for that. You know, cortisol question mark could be. You know, stress. I, I, she's referring to a blog post that I put out in 2020 about the pandemic and stress and weight gain because all of a sudden in 2020. People who were maintaining beautifully with intermittent fasting and had been for a long time started having sudden weight gain. And so we talked about the stress that that comes along with the pandemic. And I mean, we're certainly not over that. <laughs> you know, the stress continues as as you know, things continue to like, oh, here's a variant. And you know, the media pumps us full of fear and we're like living in this constant low-key stress state day after day. So I would absolutely not minimize the effect of that, you know? And I would just say, so you've gained, it looks like, you know, you lost 11 pounds initially and now you're back up the 11 plus two more. So 13 pounds. So you went down 11 and then you went up 13. So I know it's frustrating, but it really could be. It could be a combination of hormones, menopause, and stress that we're living through right now. And so we can't tell you what it is. And also, you know, there are no magical supplements and vitamins that we could say, this is what you need. Boy, I wish there were. I'd make that supplement <laughs> if there was a, a magical supplement that could make us lose the weight. But there isn't. We've been down that road. All of us have. And, you know, you buy them and you saw them on the, the that 
famous TV doctor who had the different episodes about this magical supplement. I bought everything that was on there. Never once did it make me lose magical weight, sadly. I wish it had. But it could be so many things. I would really suggest you might need to be someone who does weigh more frequently. That, that might be hard to hear because I'm someone who doesn't weigh at all and I haven't weighed for a long time. But if I knew that I had gained weight and I couldn't figure out why, that scale was really good feedback for me when I was trying to lose weight. It really made a difference. And, and doing my weekly averaging or using something like Happy Scale and really being able to see if you can find, you know, what's what's going on. I'm trying to see what what she eats. Did she talk about her diet? She just says, I was actually going to talk about that. Yeah. She just says healthy. Healthy eating is such a big phrase. I mean, you know, what what you think is healthy eating, what I think is healthy eating, what Melanie thinks is healthy eating, what Paul Saladino thinks is healthy eating, they're all going to be different definitions. So there may be some room to improve in your diet, especially if you're choosing foods that don't work well for you. I could be eating in a way that is, you know, fits a lot of definitions of healthy eating, but I'm eating too much of it. And or my body doesn't like those healthy things. My body would like something else. So it's really time to tweak. If you haven't done Zoe yet, you might really enjoy that, the Zoe test. I have a blog post about that, jenstevens.com slash Zoe. You've probably heard me and Melanie talk about it. And you also might need to switch it up a little bit. I know you said you like 24 with a four-hour eating window. You don't want to do ADF. You said it's not for you. Although I will say the number of people who have said, I didn't think it was for me, and then I tried it, oh, guess what? I love it. There are a lot of people who say that. So you might be surprised. But you could do kind of a mild, not really ADF version, where one day you have 23-1, and then the next day you have 18-6 or something, and you just keep alternating those. That's a very mild up-down, up-day pattern, and see how that goes. That might be enough to get things going. But there's so many things you could try. Unfortunately, though, like I said before, we can't identify the why of the weight gain. We can just point out some suggestions or some ideas of what it might be. Yes, I thought that was great. The healthy eating was actually what I was going to focus in on because I thought it was really interesting that the things she asks advice for to address the weight is vitamins or supplements. That would be the last thing. Well, not the last thing, but that would not be high on my priority list for addressing weight loss. The foundational things I believe for addressing weight loss are the actual food that you're eating and when you're eating it. And you know, that that just shows how programmed we are to look for that in a bottle. You know, because we've been taught, here's what you take and then you will lose the weight and that just doesn't that's not how it goes. I wish it did. Exactly. So I think the healthy eating, it's really easy to eat what may be healthy eating and may be healthy eating for you, but healthy eating that will create weight gain. (laughs) Um, Because if you're eating certain foods that are, quote, healthy, but are promoting fat storage, easily stored as fat and eaten higher than you are burning off every day, then you're you're going to gain weight as a necessity of that. People often think that because we say don't count calories, that we are saying that calories don't count. And and calories are a terrible way of measuring what's coming in, what's coming out. But neither Melanie nor I, or really anybody that I really trust and follow, thinks that you can really just overeat, eat, 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 and not gain weight. If you eat too much, you will gain weight. So, and I'm not saying that's what Julie's doing, but you can overeat in a four-hour window if you're eating like a lot of cheese, for example. That's that's my own little. <laughs> my my nemesis of overeating is usually cheese and dairy products because I love them, but they're easy to overeat. And that's an example where looking at the type of food rather than the calories or even the amount can take care of itself in a way because- if cheese is a green lit food for you, you could most likely very easily overeat it and gain weight from it. Same with like nut butters and things like that. Compared to if, you know, you're like, oh, I can have unlimited protein 
it's unlikely you're going to eat so much protein that you gain weight. If anything, it has a high thermogenic effect. If anything, you'll probably get full faster and probably lose weight and while also boosting your metabolism, for example. So I would focus in on that healthy eating and look at what you're eating. And I would suggest, and I say this a lot, so I feel like a broken record, but if you're not looking at your macros at all, there's a lot of magic that can happen. You don't have to count calories. You don't have to count even amounts. But if you play around with a macro approach, that can work really, really well for a lot of people. And it doesn't have to be forever, but it can be just while you're losing this weight. So that would be either low carb or low fat and seeing how that works for you. Yep. That's a good suggestion. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go, if you'd like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes for today's show will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 245. You can get all the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. And you can follow us on Instagram. I am Melanie Avalon, Janice Jen Stevens. All right. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Well, I guess I'll just put in one more plug for go ahead and pre-order Cleanish if you haven't already. Yes. It's coming out really soon. and I'm ex- Really soon when this airs. Yes. And even really soon. Five or six days, like a week, like a week after this. Even really soon, like now. I mean, it's it's really soon just in general. Yeah. I think it's about a week after when this airs. Alrighty. Well, we will put a link to that in the show notes and this has been absolutely wonderful and I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the intermittent fasting podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, intermittent fasting stories and the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. The music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.